Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. Welcome everyone to the Advent and welcome to the season of Advent, the four Sundays before Christmas. Today's gospel that we just read is Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which, as you may recall, is also read on Palm Sunday. And since there are only 52 Sundays a year that the church has to teach us approximately, why would she choose, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to repeat a passage when there are already so few Sundays? Well, first, I think we can certainly imagine that the church somehow believes this passage is important in some way. And second, I think it's because the church expects for it to have a different meaning for us here on the first Sunday of Advent than it does when we're reading it on Palm Sunday. When we read it on Palm Sunday, it's part of the narrative of Passion Tide as we rapidly approach Easter. On Palm Sunday, we experience the passage more in a physical sense, with only an eye to the spiritual. It's placed in such a way that it starts our walk day by day over the course of Holy Week through the historical events of Jesus' last days before his crucifixion. In Holy Week, we participate directly in the remembrance of that event. And when I say remembrance, I mean that in a very Jewish, very Orthodox Christian sense. A remembrance isn't just remembering the events of the past in some sort of mental exercise like daydreaming. It is an actual participation in the events, a way we join into that event that happened in a specific time and place and take part in it in a real way, in much the same way that we participate in the Eucharist each week. We carry palm branches. We process in the street. We sing triumphant hymns. Easter is coming. Our Lenten fast will soon be coming to an end. But today there are no palms. We won't be leaving the pews. And the mood is a little bit more somber as we start this penitential season of Advent. Instead of looking forward to our fast ending, we're just starting a time of fasting. And on that note, don't forget that the fast starts tomorrow. All the details are on Facebook. Let me know if you have questions. And this can be a challenging time of the year for a fast. Everyone else we know is rushing ahead to Christmas. During the season of Advent, the church is instead asking us to slow down. We'll have time to celebrate Christmas for 12 days after it gets here. But the world will be asking us to feast between now and then, trying to open the presents before it's time. Our friends, our workplaces, our families will be having a lot of parties over the next few weeks when we may want instead to retreat and take time to meditate on the incarnation of our Lord. We will keep our trees up until the octave of Epiphany, about three weeks after Christmas, when most of the folks around us will be tearing theirs down the day after Christmas. Oh, and perhaps I should mention that that tree over there that might to the casual observer appear to be a Christmas tree is something we do here at the Advent called a Jesse tree. Come up afterwards, you'll be able to see the icons representing the genealogy of Christ, culminating with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Theotokos. And indeed, that's what the historical church has focused on, during the season of Advent, the Old Testament history of Christ, the patriarchs the, and the prophets, their hope in the coming Messiah and their prophecies that were not yet fulfilled. 
And so it's in this meditative, preparatory spirit that I believe the church hopes we'll use to explore this important gospel passage. And instead of us experiencing the passage in more of that physical sense as a remembrance during Holy Week and as an ending to our Lenten season, today on the first Sunday of Advent, we need to look at the passage a little bit more in a spiritual sense, but without losing sight of the physical and view it instead of as an ending, as a beginning, and instead of a, as a remembrance, as an anticipation of things to come. Now, full disclosure, there is one thing you ought to know, a little detail that the passages read on Palm Sunday and the first Sunday of Advent are not exactly the same. The Palm Sunday version ends with, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. While the Advent version we read today continues on with, and when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Why this last part read on Advent? Why is this last part read on Advent and now on Palm Sunday? Well, honestly, it's part of a historical artifact. The two passages used to be the same. In fact, it was the reformers who added the few extra sentences. But I think they did that because they already saw the distinction that I believe the church was always trying to make, help us make. That when we read during Holy Week on the way to the resurrection, there's a stronger connection to the divine nature of Jesus's kingdom that will be made even more manifest on ascension during the Easter season. But here in Advent, instead we're trying to focus on that spiritual with that very physical sense because Jesus is not, despite being incarnate, the earthly military commander and king that people were expecting. No, his battles were spiritual, fought on the temple grounds with the money changers, because his house is a house of prayer, not a palace or a fortress. His battles were fought not with Roman legions, but in the hearts of Jews and Gentiles. This addition also emphasizes the coming incarnational nature of Christ. Who is this, they ask? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Everyone saw him as a man, but no one really understood that he was also God. Here in Advent, we're called to understand what really happened here. We start in the heavens with God and follow him as he came to earth as a man. In contrast to Holy Week, when we start here on earth and follow him to heaven. There is that spiritual view then with this eye towards this coming physical reality. We need to be focused on that spiritual part until Christmas. But our Christian spirituality isn't grounded in the clouds. We have to pull ourselves out of sentimentality about the Christmas season and get into the meat of what we're talking about. And I mean meat. Incarnational, like chili con carne, meat. Jesus was flesh and bone. And it's matter that matters. When Jesus comes, he redeems and restores not just our minds, our souls, but our bodies and all of physical creation. We have to be sure that we're not making what's his season into our season. This is his house, his domain, something 
to be focused on as he wants us to focus on it, rather than us trying to make it what we want it to be. And so we have to be careful not to make Advent into a den of thieves that sucks that life out of ourselves and our neighbors, when instead we should be focused on the reflection of the coming of Christ in this world in prayer during this season. We need to also view the nativity and the cross as two events deeply connected. I think that's another reason this passage is repeated. Jesus came into the world in the same way that he left it. Yes, he was a king, but not in any sense that the world had ever seen. Just as he left the world in complete humility on a donkey rather than a horse and dying a shameful death on a cross, he entered the world in a dirty stable, a manger, cave, whichever version. This is not the way kings come into the world. And that's sort of missing the point. I mean, because the real shocker is the incarnation itself. No one in their right mind at that time would have thought that God himself would come down from heaven and become a human being. No one. Especially fully in every way being human while remaining fully and in every way divine. That's nonsense. The Jews thought it beneath their ineffable God. The Greeks thought their gods were smarter than that. And yet God surprises all of us again by loving us so much that he pursues us to the point of becoming a little human baby boy in a manger, living a humble life, shamefully killed by us. And yet, God uses that to destroy death's grip on us, a death we brought upon ourselves. God communed with humankind to save us because he loved us so deeply. So how can we choose to respond with anything but a wish to commune with him? An opportunity he affords us in our life of prayer and through the divine mysteries of the Eucharist. Here, and now, and eternally in the life to come. So with that, what should we be doing in the season of Advent? How should we integrate this passage into the start of our journey this Advent season? How does it focus on the spiritual path toward that physical incarnation coming on Christmas Day? How do we use it to anticipate the events to come? Our goal this Advent should be to bring God down from heaven and make him present to ourselves and those around us. There are two parts we have to make present. God is merciful and God as judge. We live our life between God's first advent and his second advent. Advent is about the two comings of Christ. The first 2,000 years ago, primarily a time where we see him full of humility and mercy. But the second is coming, primarily in splendor and with judgment. God has always been present with his people in both senses. He walked with them in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. But he also rendered judgment on their fall. He journeyed with them in the desert as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. But when they worshipped idols, they faced the consequences. He lived as a man in Palestine 2,000 years ago and resurrected. He spent 40 days with the disciples before his ascension, during which time he showed great mercy and humility to those around him. And yet we catch glimpses of his other side and some of the terrifying, terrifying parables he tells and the stories, like today, when he turns over the money changers' tables. And then God sent his spirit to dwell in us and guide us 
but also to judge us ever since. God isn't just up there in the heavens somewhere. He's walking right here with us. He isn't just coming one day to judge us. He's trying to help us do that now through discernment, through confession, with our direct encounters with him in the Holy Eucharist. If we wait until he returns in glory, we won't know what to do when he actually does. Church is here to prepare us, indeed to get us to live in the kingdom in the here and now. Unfortunately, how many of us will spend the next few several weeks fretting over material goods, judge ourselves and those around us by what they get or don't get or give or don't give? How many of us will wish we had the supposedly perfect life we see someone else living when we visit them for a party? How many of us will leave this season feeling unfulfilled, in so many cases more depressed and emptier than we did when we started? We can't let that be our journey. Instead, we have to fight a battle. We have to gear up for spiritual warfare. We may not yet have the spiritual strength of Christ to overturn the tables of the money changers, but we still are obligated to start the fight. We must bring God to ourselves and those around us. And to do so, we have to be humble. We must do as our Lord did, accept insults from others and the scourging, hopefully not physical, but often verbal from our family and those in the world. It isn't easy to turn the other cheek. How did you do that at the Thanksgiving table? Not so well, aim to do a little better during Advent. Don't become consumed by consumerism. Give generously, but ask only for what you need. You don't need a palace when a manger will do. Show endless mercy, as we heard last week, forgive seven times 70 times. That could be a great gift to some people around you and to yourself. And when dealing with others outside the church, and most of the time in it, you should be humble, merciful Jesus. On the other hand, you do need to hold in tension with that merciful side of Jesus, the Jesus coming on the clouds in glory who will return as a judge. In that sense, you need to spend Advent making that Jesus present to yourself and no one else. As St. Augustine exhorted us last night during the sermon we read during Vespers, we need to die to this world. Most of us, thank God, will not have to answer for our faith with our physical lives. So instead, we must die a martyr spiritually by doing not what the world expects of us, but by doing what God expects of us. We must suffer and die by not engaging in those sins that regularly attack us. After all, we already know that as enticing as they seem beforehand, they don't really provide the fulfillment they offer. Instead, they make us suffer. It's always our goal to be better to be walking forward even when we take two steps back. God has mercy and he knows we will take two steps back more often than we like. We still need to get up and try again. So my brothers and sisters, this is an opportunity to start again, the beginning of a new church year. Make God present, the humble, merciful, loving God to those around you. You are God to the people around you. And make him present to yourself also. Make sure that you get both the mercy, but balance it with a strong dose of God as glorious, awesome in the original sense. And let his consuming fire enter you 
and refine you into pure gold in this season of Advent. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.